Today we celebrate the memorial of St. John Paul II, and uh, recently beatified, and it was a great uh, honor for me. I was actually present at his at his uh, beatification in Rome a few years ago. I think it was on the 2014, or could be earlier than that, I can't remember, but uh, it was a great honor for me, and it's really, it's an honor for all of us, really, to, for our lives to have overlapped with that of John Paul the Great's life. He, he was truly a remarkable man, and uh, I think really future generations will look back and say, wow, this guy was a, a total giant. I mean, really stuck out. I mean, really, past 500 years, past 1,000 years, honestly, that, that important of a figure. So it's, it's wonderful to have the testimony of his life. Um, we, we, our lives overlapped with his, and we, are, we, we had the honor and the privilege of, of living uh, alongside of a saint, um, a very great saint. I think we see in our, our first reading and then also in our psalm something I think that John Paul II could embody and reflect very well. There's always a challenge. Christianity especially in the past 500 years and the different tensions between Protestants and Catholics, there's always been a sort of a, a challenge of balancing how do we, um, how are we Christians in the world but not of the world? What's the relationship between Christians and the world? It's always kind of a, there's a, it's a tricky balance to strike the right uh, harmony between being in the world but not of the world. <clears throat> we see in Ephesians, uh, two things that St. Paul is doing. He's painting the world in, in pretty negative uh, colors. Um, and this gets into the traditional teaching of the three enemies of the soul, the world, the flesh, and the devil. Because human nature is fallen, there's an inclination to, towards sin in all of the hearts of, of human beings all over the world. And uh, there's a certain uh, truth to the to the idea that the devil is like the king of the world. He, he sort of runs the world. He does that because of the hearts of men, because of that fallen nature, that fallen human nature. And so St. Paul mentions, he talks about the prince of the power of the air uh, who is now at work in the sons of disobedience. Um, and so the, the prince of the power of the, of the air, what that basically means, the air is sort of like the uh, region between the moon and the surface of the earth, so to speak. So Basically, the, the devil has got some kind of jurisdiction or authority, if you will, over the whole surface of the earth. But he has that because of because we've given him that permission. We've given him that sort of open doorway into the world. So unfortunately, it can be the case, it's not always the case, but it can be the case that, that even government, uh, educational systems, institutions in general can be, can be corrupt and can have very uh, serious influence from the devil himself. Um, popular media, different social structures, different institutions, things like that, can actually be influenced by the devil. He can, by manipulating powerful men and different movements and things like that, ideas, cultural movements, he can create an entire atmosphere on the surface of the earth that is really antithetical to the gospel, that is antithetical to God. So this is what we mean by the world in the negative sense. Okay, God created the world as good, but because of sin, it's, and at least in, to some extent, has become very bad. Uh, so this is what we mean by the world in the negative sense. And this, this kind of negative understanding of the world shows up a lot in the Gospel of John. And so Christians are not of the world in that sense, or at least we shouldn't be. 
And we've got to be wary of not being of the world. But yet at the same time, it says, St. Paul says that we are created in Christ Jesus anew for good works. Okay, so we live in the body and our job as Christians is to try to influence the world as much as absolutely possible by works of social justice and by works uh, as a community working together and works of social justice. And we're going to talk, I'm going to meet with some people uh, after church actually about family promise. And so this is one of the things that we want to do to try to have the, the presence of the gospel in the world. Uh, and then also, of course, by our personal lives as well. We can't, we have to have uh, integrity in our, in our personal lives. And so these are the good works that have been created uh, in Christ Jesus ahead of time that we should walk in them, that we should live them and embrace them. So we are in the world. And we are presenting to the world, hopefully, a picture of goodness um, and hope. And so it's not pessimism, you know, because on one hand, you can, things can look pretty bad. <laughs> Get kind of pessimistic and say, oh, the world's going to hell in a handbasket, you know. Um, but this shouldn't lead us to a pessimism. We should be rejoicing in Christ. Yes, it's true. Human nature has fallen. The devil, uh, he's won a lot of battles. Uh, but he can't win the war. Christ has already won the war. And uh, we should rejoice. And that's part of our testimony, uh, being in the world, is to bring the world uh, a joyful uh, face that's that's been redeemed, a life that's been redeemed by Christ. And so we have in our psalm, um, you know, what does it say? It says that our refrain was the Lord made as we belong to him. Uh, first verse says, sing joyfully to the Lord, all you lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful song. So that, that joy in itself is a great testimony um, as to what Christ has done for us. Um, and we have we are in the world and we present the world with that kind of joy. John Paul II was an amazing example of the balance of these two things, of being in the world but not of the world, or being of the world but yet nonetheless being in the world, presenting the world with a, fa- a joyful face of Christ. Uh, he um, was an amazing theologian. Some people think, well, Pope Benedict was more of an intellectual than John Paul II. Mm, actually, I don't know if that's really true. John Paul II, he wrote so much, uh, that, and his mind was so profound that it will re- re- really take generations to actually come to an, a proper evaluation of his thought and his writings. Uh, he was really a genius. Um, and theologically, he understood fallen human nature. You know, he understood the, the devil and the devil is a foot in the world. Uh, but how he combated that, the satanic uh, conspiracy against humanity, is by speaking very carefully, precisely, theologically precisely, uh, in terms of broad-ranging cultural phenomena such as Marxism. He had to deal with Marxism a lot. Okay, he was uh, in Poland under the Soviet Union, and so he really had to deal quite a bit with Marxism. So uh, that and many other issues he spoke to very, very precisely, with great accuracy, kind of like a surgeon. Uh, and yet at the same time, he did it in a very optimistic, positive way, such that when you saw him, you say, hey, if I become a Christian, I'm going to... I'm gonna I'm going to know what joy is. I'm not going to be all dour and negative and pessimistic and just go and hide in a hole in the ground and say, you know, the world's going to hell in a handbasket. Forget about it. 
You know, you look at John Paul II, hey, if I become a Christian, if I follow Christ, I'm going to be someone who's going to make a difference in the world. And uh, I'm going to present something attractive to people. So just a remarkable saint. And he balanced these two things out so wonderfully uh, and left us with a great example of, of how to do that. So that's my prayer today for myself and for all of us, uh, that we'd follow in his footsteps, uh, which were those of Christ, uh, not being of the world, but yet presenting the world um, and being in the world, presenting the world with the with face of Christ.